everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name is Ben Jackson and as always I'll be your host and as always as well I am joined by Scott and yours. Scott and yours, how are you guys doing this evening? Hi everyone. That was short but uh, all good, all good as well here in uh, let's dive in. I didn't see that many of the games myself this time, so I have to go on highlights. It's already a disclaimer. Uh, I think that's fair enough. And to be fair, this week compared to last, there were definitely more highlights, more goals. I'll quickly run through the results. Obviously, we had that midweek game where Kortreich had basically no players. They only lost 2-0 to Antwerp in the end and actually played reasonably well, uh, considering I think they had a back lineup of Sissoko had to go in there. Jonkere got a start for the first time in forever. I think Selimani had to play kind of right back. Like, it was all a big, big mess. They were helped by Big of a starter getting a red card in the first 10 minutes, which was pretty harsh. And have appealed that, so he was available for the game on the weekend against Union, which we'll get to. Kadri decided to even up anyway, and Samata and Gherkins got the goals for Antwerp in that. Another kind of not massively convincing win for them, but a good win nonetheless, given that it could have been a massive slip-up if they had lost that game. The Friday night kicked off with Charleroi against Salang. That finished two goals to nil to the home side Charleroi. Courtois went action again with a little bit more strength this time, but they lost 3-1 at home to St. Truden. Standard and Circle of Blues played out a controversial in the end, one all draw. Oostend lost at home 3-1 to Leuven. Antwerp lost the big game at home to Union. Club Rouge lost at home to Ghent, two goals to one. Mechelen beat Beerscott, three goals to two. And Anderlecht put four past Erpen, that one finished four goals to one. And Genk beat Zultavar again, two goals to nil. So let's start with Charleroi against Salang, the Friday night game. In this one, uh, reasonably comfortable in the end for Charleroi. Only one shot on target for Salang. They really are struggling against kind of the bigger teams, but thankfully they got those results against Beer Scott to kind of give them a little bit of cushion at the drop there. But uh, Jules Van Klien put open the scoring on the 18th minute. Uh, 33 minutes in, Benjamin Boulanger got his second yellow card of the game. That made gave him the uh, red card. In the 33rd, so slang down to 10 men. Definitely didn't help their cause at all there. Dan Heyman's got his first goal since turning to Belgian football. Those of you who listened last year remember Dan Heyman's from um, Brazen Betheren. Uh, he got his goal in the 83rd minute. Really nice finish from him. So yeah, finished 2-0 to Charleroi. Another good performance from the guy I mentioned last week. Azonwa 4 at the back for Charleroi. Reasonably comfortable for them in this one. Scott, I know you were able to watch this game. What are your kind of thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I was quite impressed by Charleroi, actually. I thought it was a an efficient performance, an effective one. Sarang didn't really have too many answers, even though I didn't think they played too badly in, the, in, in their own right, actually. It was, a, it was a decent enough performance from them. Interesting, Dan Heyman's obviously recently back in Belgium, scoring, you know, kind of picking up where he left off before he went to Italy, actually. It's kind of good to see him back, actually. I was I was disappointed to see him go when he left he left Beveren to go to uh, Venezia. But he's, he's back on loan, his first goal, and he's only played, I think, he's only played 40 minutes over the course of his first couple of games back, and, and he's got his first goal. So it's, that's a nice pick-up from Charleroi, actually. Yeah, I mean, a really, a really kind of professional job by Charleroi, and they've just kind of kept their head down, um, as I was saying last week, and I've been working 
away kind of quite diligently and and still getting results and really pushing kind of quite hard for for a playoff one spot. You know, up until the weekend's fixtures were kind of completed, actually Charleroi were were in one of those spots and then kind of dropped out. But they're they're pushing hard for kind of playoff one and um kind of yeah do, doing their thing without getting too much attention at the moment which is probably a good thing from their point of view because it takes the pressure off them a little bit but yeah their main men are back their AFCON names are back and I'm really quite excited to see how Bio plays alongside uh, Yusuf Baji. I, I think that could be quite an interesting partnership given, given time I think they have the qualities individually to complement each other quite well Baji's quite good at the things that, that Bio isn't instinctively in his game so I think there's the potential over the course of a period of time for, for that to be quite fruitful for them so we'll see how that goes because obviously that's a completely new striking partnership and we'll see if they can replace anything like the goals between them that uh, Shamar Nichols provided before he went to Moscow yeah no definitely it'd be really interesting when they come back in and obviously like yeah coffee will come back in after the AFCON obviously did pretty decently in uh quite a few of the backflips that everyone saw I think as like I guess kind of when you look at their squads you look at the position they're in on the table you look at kind of the revamp that Ed Stills had to do with that squad he's kind of like shifted moved some players out brought some younger players in to kind of refresh it but kept a couple of the core pieces in terms of the likes of Morioka Morioka sorry Ilimaricha uh, Joris Kayembe like kept those guys in place but then added your Knezovic Zari coming back in and coming into place Dorgan as well like he really is doing a very 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 good job there to have them in the hunt for that top four position. And it's almost like if Union weren't having the season they were having, like, I feel like we'd probably talk about Ed still more and kind of like one of the managers kind of in that place for manager of the season, like the way that he's, the job he's done with the club at the moment. But because Felicia Mazzi just doing the most ridiculous job with Union, it's kind of like he's going under the radar a little bit. But if he gets them into playoff one, I think that's just a fantastic achievement. Like even finishing fifth, I think would be a really, really good achievement for Charlotte. And kind of like, like you said, they lost Shamar Nicholson, their top scorer, but it hasn't massively affected them because they brought in Bayo who struggled at Ghent. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see if he does struggle at Charleroi with Badgie coming in again, it's a nice pickup, but it's not Nicholson. Like the refreshing and the kind of having to be quite clever in their recruitment. I quite kind of appreciate what they've done. And um, yeah, I think obviously that like you said, they're only two points off playoff one at the moment to keep pushing for that. I think, yeah, Ed still deserves a lot of credit uh, for the job he's done there. And I guess let's kind of flip it around to Salang. Yoris, I know you didn't necessarily watch this one, but are you concerned that a side like Salang only could manage one shot on target, given that actually they're better going forward than they are defensively, really? I guess that's worrying indeed. But I also guess like this is probably not a game where they expected to to get the points. They will really be focusing on the, the, the few big games that they still have with, with uh, teams around them, less on this one. Although, of course, they will not throw a game away if it comes their way. But yeah, in this one, of course, a red card, that doesn't help us either. No, definitely. I think my one other... Well, I've got a few concerns, obviously, about Salang, but one of the things that just it jumps up massively is um, they either win or lose. They don't grind out draws like the draw against Urpen was only their second draw of the season like that to me says like you I don't know I feel like that needs to be rectified like if you can turn some of these losses into draws it makes such a difference and it's not like they when they win they're like throwing those away 
and lose and drawing the game like if they're winning they'll get the win and they can do that it's just once they're losing it they find it very difficult to come back and get a draw out of anything so that kind of is my concern if they could at least pick up points against these teams that they like you said aren't necessarily looking to win against I think that'd be massive for them just a quick one before we move from this game looking forward this Sunday we do have Charleroi against Club Brusque so that could be a really interesting game in terms of playoff one and kind of implications for stuff like that so definitely one to look out for there let's move on to the next game that took place which was Courtreich against St Sluden as I said Courtreich had kind of much many more of their players back in this one so they had a much more kind of normal side I guess you could say but it was St Sluden who got the win very impressive performance from them Christian Bulls was instrumental in this his cross for the first goal to Koita is if it's meant to be that overhit and he knows Coiter's coming, it's a fantastic cross and the finish was exceptional. If not, it's a very well, very lucky overhit cross from him. But either way, it looked really good. Uh, really nice finish from Coiter. Uh, he only seems to score good goals. He doesn't score tap-ins. Probably because, as Joris pointed out last season, he just tries to shoot from ridiculous angles and distances all the, all the time. But it is what it is. They then got a penalty that was reasonably soft. I think Watanabe's mistake is he just doesn't need to pull on the shirt there. Like It doesn't look like a lot of pulling or strength was involved in that, but anytime you start pulling on a shirt in the box and the player goes down, the referee's going to have to give a penalty. It's just the way it is. Uh, upset Christian Bulls and He's been fantastic from the spot this season. He continued that to make it two goals to nil. Second half, like really did push like you can't you never can really blame the effort of Kortrijk in that they do really try and get back into games and they never really do give up as we stated last week Badamosi really instrumental in their goal pushes some players off the ball before squaring it to Kadli who's completely unmarked at the back post and it's just a very easy tap in for him they kept pushing they kept trying to get the the goal that would get them back in the game over it didn't happen uh, Daichi Hayashi in the 86th minute completely ended that it was uh, Zhao Klaus on his debut for St. Luden with the shot cross that kind of the keeper Joris Dele who stepped in uh, with Illich out didn't deal very well with it fell to Hayashi who kind of put it in much to I love the celebration between him and him and Rocco Reitz uh, afterwards just the little handshake the nice little polite handshake. I don't know why. There's something about that celebration that always cracks me up. Just the appreciation of what you've done sort of thing. Scott, I know you were quite impressed with St. Luden in this game and what, uh, as we call them, Binky's men were able to do against Cortelite. Yeah, it was a really decent performance from, from St. Truden this weekend. I thought there was a lot more energy about them. They were much more aggressive in their press and didn't really allow Cortelite time to settle. And that that's no mean feat, actually, because Cortelite are, are really quite good at acquitting themselves uh, physically in this league. So to kind of run over the top of them a bit was, was, was quite impressive, I thought. I I didn't, I didn't see this performance coming from from St Truden because they've been they've been pretty flat for a wee while now. I think some of the additions that have obviously come in during the window, which we'll we'll come back to in our transfer window review, I think they've probably had an effect. Ironically, none of them started this game. We did see them all uh, at various stages later on, but there was there was a zip about Binky's boys uh, this week that that. I think was 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 quite nice to see, and they've set a level there. I think that they need to try and maintain now, um, and a degree of consistency that you know they should be kind of looking to kind of work towards. And I think some of the players that they've brought in in the window can certainly help with that. Yeah, good good win for them. Bit of a sticky patch for Kertrike. On the other hand, I said last week I thought Belhazim was doing kind of quite a good job, and I, I think he is. I think their business in the window's been good, and I think they just they just need things to kind of set down really and um, they, they'll be fine I don't have any worries about them they're still right in the mix 
in the playoff two mix. They'll be able to compete for that, I think, right till the end. So, you know, it, it's just one of those where they've, they've they've lost a few games at home recently, which will be quite frustrating and disappointing for them. But they're stronger now than they were a few weeks ago, I think. So now that everyone's back together, I think they'll just regroup and, and go and get some points now. Definitely a, a Koita game here, uh, for sure. He was uh, really impressive. He, he definitely had the right shoes on this time. Um, and also, uh, Balamosi has, still has no goal scored for Kortrijk, but actually he scored twice last week, and I still am not completely sure of either of one. These two should have been disallowed. So I, that that's another discussion again. <laughs> of course, uh, uh, we're not going to go there. It's uh, three losses in a row, three home losses in a row indeed now. But, uh, well, of course, nothing to worry, really worry about for them. The Antwerp one, it's kind of like, I think they call it in the NBA, like a schedule lost, where it's just like you have a back-to-back game against a really good team and your players are all injured or something. You're just like, yeah, that's a schedule loss. Like the way the games have been scheduled, we're always going to lose that one. And then obviously with Club Bruce, it's difficult. So I think Kevin van den Dries should be back. I'm pretty sure he was named in the squad list. He didn't obviously didn't make the final cut, but... I think getting him back is really important for them. I think he just offers them so much in the midfield in terms of energy and pressing and like just, yeah, his all-around game is really important to how they've been playing this season. He's been such a key player. So getting him back in there alongside Palavers, so just the kind of, not that Sissoko hasn't played badly at all, but Van der Dries, he's very experienced in the midfield and like he does have some qualities that they are missing at the moment. But yeah, like you guys said, good win for St. Truden despite none of the new players playing. I think having Daniel Schmidt back in, in goal as well definitely helped in terms of communication and on the back line and stuff we saw Russo a couple of issues around that because he was literally just parachuted in almost last minute to take the place of Daniel Schmidt after his call up for Japan so nothing against Russo it's always difficult to build that communication with your back line and that it takes matches and trainings and all that so yeah I think that definitely made a difference let's go to Standard Liège against Circle of Blues as I said there was some controversy around this one pretty action-packed game I guess you could say uh, Circle of Views with 17 shots in this, uh, only six on target. Standard with nine, five on target, 57% possession to Circle's 43%. Almost opening goal from Mr. Rabi Matondo. Uh, really nice counter-attack from him and forced a really, really good save out of Bodart. Um, they did manage to take the lead, though, however, through a Dino Hottage free kick, which was just superb. There's something about the free kicks that managed to beat the keeper on his side and you still watch them and think, yeah, that's a difficult one to try and save for Bodar. Um, was always going to struggle to get himself to that one. But yeah, Dino Hotic was really, really good in this game. Created, I think he created the most chances as well with about five. But Standard did get back into it in the second half. Nicholas Raskin was completely unmarked at the back post following a knockback header to make it one goal apiece. And then Standard thought they had won it in the I think it was about 90th, 93rd minute free kick that Donham won, they put in, and Sissoka looks like he's won in the game with a header, really, really good header from him. Uh, shirt comes off, as you would imagine at that time. However, VAR intervened and it was given offside, and it is very, very, very tight, very tight. Like from the images I saw, I don't, I think it's very, very unlucky for Standard to get that one chalked off. I guess the thing is, it has happened to most teams this season kind of look back and say that these things have happened to them has happened quite a few times to standard to be fair to them but it is what it is they release a statement kind of complaining about it it's one of those things that you can't really do anything about once the game's finished unfortunately i guess when you look at how their season's been going it'd have been massive for them to get that win they really could do with picking up some more points but if you'd said before the game you're going to get a draw against a very informed circular side i don't know maybe they would have taken that but i think 
when you kind of look at this game and kind of the statistics and everything that came out of it, they had like six yellow cards, which is slightly ridiculous to happen. I mean, it shows that they do clearly care and they are passionate, but six yellow cards is a lot. Scott, you know, I know we don't want to talk about VAR, we don't want to talk about refereeing decisions, but what was your take on the fine margins in this one? I think on looking at it, I've gone away and had a look at it a few times and I think I think Standard are right. I think the decision is wrong. It's interesting that they released a statement talking about how angry they were about it because I, I think, you know, that just allows me to reiterate how, how funny and, and kind of pointless these official whines sometimes are just because, you know, it doesn't it doesn't change anything saying that it's wrong and we're annoyed about it. You know, I think Ben's right. Virtually all the clubs have been on the receiving end of, of some VAR injustices at some point. It just it just feels maybe to standard like they've had a a rawer deal than some others just because their, their their season generally has been been a bit like that. But I don't think there was anything wrong with that goal, and I think they did actually nick it. You know, so I I can understand their rage, but I think they have to channel that in the right way. And I've said this before in the pod, but I think um, my my feeling is that that's wasted energy if you put it out that way. I think you know put it into the work you do on the pitch. Um, go and go and create your own luck rather than kind of publicly whining about it because you know nobody's going to turn around and and change their mind about these things. Although we got news a little while ago that's slightly controversial about a game that we thought was going to be forfeited, but looks like it may now very well be played. So Belgian football, everybody, never a dull day. Yeah, I, I was going to add that. Like, yeah, maybe sometimes it helps to whine a bit. It's a really difficult call to make, and like, it, it really is. This is one of these examples that really spoils football a bit last minute winner and it's very narrow like you d- take that away it's it doesn't really sit right and the images are not very clear the referee department now said uh, i'll go with that one for once because i'm not always um, certain with what they are saying either but they do say that sandar uh, were in the right here that uh, well in the in the in the sense of that the, that goal should have been allowed and going back to the game then again a bit uh, in a different sense standard are actually now the the worst home side uh, still like you already were but now they still uh, are with two wins uh, at home this season so far. L- allow me to say, with all due respect, but even Beerschot is doing uh, is doing a better job at home uh, than Standard Ouch. at the moment. <laughs> On the other hand, the last time that Circle won at Sclesse is uh, 25 years ago as well, so that didn't change. Although at certain points in the game, well, especially the first half. Um, it definitely looked like it was possible. And another last thing on that, like Hotish free kick, indeed. I've when I was watching the highlights in a, that's relatively chronological order, I was saying like, oh, he clearly learned from uh, Darpino's free kick against them last week. But uh, later on, we'll talk about that a bit more as well, again, because uh, someone did it again. <laughs> Definitely. And you've you've gone on to Hottich, which I really wanted to talk about, actually, because um, I think it's since the 7th of November, he's played 13 games and he's scored or assisted in nine of those. And I just think he is probably, arguably outside of maybe you could take Undav and some of the Union players, but he is the most informed player in the Pro League at the moment, which is great to see because I really enjoy watching him play. And I can't what they called him after he scored the free kick, like the small, fantastic Bosnian or something, the commentator called him. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, no, he is quite small, isn't he? Um, bless him. But yeah, no, he's been fantastic to watch. And that free kick, yeah, we'll talk about Diopina because he decided he'd up, up himself one again. 
this weekend. But yeah, fantastic from Hotic and definitely kind of the driving force behind Circler's kind of creativity and stuff going forward, which we, we I know we've spoken about actually in terms of wanting, we wanted to see that because we knew that he had it in him and yeah, him playing well has coincided and them playing well. It's like, it's no coincidence. So let's get on to Mr. Diarpino's team. Uh, Ustend hosted Leuven. And yeah, as I said earlier, this one finished 3-1 to Leuven. Xavier Mercia was pulling the strings in this one. Uh, however, it was Mr. Casper Denor who provided the assist for the opening goal. Mercia was involved. It was a really nice, well-worked move on the edge of the box from Leuven. No one tracking or marking Casper Denor. He was able to kind of fire a cross in across the kind of out edge of the box. Uh, sorry, Kaba, thankfully for Leuven, just didn't try to get anything on it. Fell to Mr. Shengalia, who, with a fantastic strike into the top corner, left Debuton Sherpin, the goalkeeper, absolutely no chance. So that was 1-0 to Leuven. Into the second half, 2-0 quite quickly in the 48th minute. Sorry, Kaba's come back from AFCON with a man. He's a bit of a man on fire at the moment. He got another goal. Simple, simple goal, kind of, it reminded me of the Xavier Mercier Henri kind of link up we saw last year where Mercier just kind of puts it on an absolute plate from Henry, but this time he's done it for Kaba. Usten did push, they did have some chances. Uh, McGeehan had a couple of chances and he was named captain for this game, which was quite nice to see for him. He has battled a lot with injuries, so it's nice for him to be back on the pitch and to give him the responsibility of captains. Quite interesting and cool. Maktar Gay again started off on the bench did make it onto the pitch and I don't know if you guys saw this but there was a couple of instances there's one where McGeehan had a shot and Gay clearly says something to him and he McGeehan just gave him this look as if to say like what are you on about seriously mate and I think it's just kind of that sense that they aren't there's not that same cohesion there was before and there's another opportunity where Ambrose had one and Marta Gay again kind of had a moan at him and you could just see Ambrose gave him this look of this to say like what do you mean I'm always going to take this chance on myself like why do I have to pass to you so a little bit of friction there which could explain as to why Gay hasn't been starting maybe it's like a team dynamic thing However, like you always said, Diarpino did get them back into the game with another fantastic free kick. Uh, left Rinnison with absolutely no chance, really. However, wasn't to be. Musa Altamari finished the game off to make it three goals to one to Leuven with the victory. Um, his celebration was interesting. I thought he was about to give the middle finger to the entire East End faithful uh, for one moment, but he kept his fist clenched. So <laughs> good on him for not doing that. We've already seen... Someone else did antagonise another fan base later on in the weekend, which we will get on to. Scott, I guess I'll start with you, as we usually do. What were your kind of thoughts on the Mercier performance, I guess, and kind of Leuven as a whole in this one? Well, Messi was, was doing Messi-type things, wasn't he? The Wizard was, was very much... Yeah, kind of running the show. Uh, it's been a little while, actually, since he's had kind of quite a strong game, I think. He's been quiet for what feels like kind of ages to me. I felt quite strongly it was important that Ustend had got something out of this game, just looking at the run of their fixtures coming up. And the fact that they didn't is a bit of a worry to me, especially when they haven't been playing that badly. On the Maktar Gay point, actually, I have it on good authority that he's a slightly kind of tricky character and that I think Blessing managed to get the best out of him last year, kind of despite those those kind of personality uh, issues. I think reading between the lines, he's perhaps a little bit disruptive, I think. 
think as well and and I think the, the there's been a reluctance to start him despite the fact that we know the numbers tell us that Ustend generally perform better and pick up more points when he starts games so although it was good to see him back you're right there was there was a little bit of fris- frustration which I think's been ongoing for a little while and that was clearly reflected in in some of the body language and interactions that we saw in the game big big win for Leuven as well they needed a result here so fair play to them they've they've kind of gone and gone and done it that result sets up a quite big one on Wednesday night of this week obviously when when Ustend go to Varagam to, to play Zalta that's that's now become quite a big game because of the way results went this weekend yeah slightly contradicting Scott here uh, the last five games Mercier played there were three games where he gave two assists um, and this was one of them so uh, and it's also 13 assists for the season now yeah that's uh very much impressive still so he, he still delivers yeah just wanted to add that as well in that first Leuven goal I would recommend watching that because it was a real nice uh, team goal with and also a, a brilliant finish as well uh, nothing Scherpe could do about that I think Scherpe on itself he, he had a decent debut but of course conceding three goals that's uh, never uh, never nice to see for a goalkeeper especially if you really cannot do anything about it I guess Kaba also still silently having a Decent season, I guess. Seven goals and two assists in 17 games. Not that impressive, but very crucial for the, the, the a, a, a team that is struggling with strikers. Uh, like he, they, he will need to do that. And, and granted, it was, again, more like a tap-in, so not really the most difficult of, of goals, but they might be crucial. I, I think these goals actually are going to be crucial for them not really getting into the dogfight dog uh, at the bottom. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the goal's a goal. He'll probably tell you. Really. I think the Mercier one's funny because I think it kind of says, doesn't it, that like we hold him to such high standards that even when he does have like a couple of assist games, we're like, oh, he hasn't played that well, has he? Like, because I just don't stick in the memory that like, that's how good he is. Like his pass for um, Al Tamari's goal, it's just like inch perfect. It's just that of the feet of Medley. I think he just can't, even if he stretches, he's just not going to get there. But it's so close as well. Like it kind of gives him that little bit of like, oh, I could get that. And he just doesn't quite get there. And Tamari does really nicely with the finish. Um, but yeah, I mean, all enjoy Mercier playing. And yeah, Ustend against Varagem. Both sides will be looking at thinking that is a game that we can win. One team that looked at this a game on the weekend and thought, yeah, we'll probably go and win that was uh, Union saint against Antwerp. Really, really enjoyed this one. It was always one that we were all going to try and potentially watch as much as we could have. Yeah, Union did get the win in this one, but there was a lot of kind of stuff that happened in between. Really, really good atmosphere uh, in the stadium. You could just tell, it felt, I don't know about you, Scott, or yours when you watched it, but I, it felt like a cup final or like a, like a title potential title game do you know what I mean it just it had this atmosphere about the game it was such a shame we didn't have the away fans to kind of counteract the home fans but the Antwerp fans did such a good way of bringing the atmosphere to the point I think it was in the first half uh the ball goes out of play I think it's even for I don't know who, either for a goal kick or a corner and an Antwerp fan gets so kind of engaged in the game he just topples over the front of the barrier and just kind of like lands on the side he doesn't fall very far so I think he's okay but it was just wild he kind of stood up to like protest about something and just like tripped over the edge uh, so everyone's getting into it everyone's getting really involved in it first time Antwerp I felt that they had a lot of the ball but not really a lot of penetration or creativity there was I think one chance Miyoshi slid a really nice ball into Balakwisha, um, but big Chris Burgess put his big Chris Burgess leg in the way and blocked it and then yeah Union just they did look dangerous on the counter you just knew they were always going to create chances and trying to get players in behind that 
Antwerp backline. Poor Dessery had just an absolute mare against Undav because... I mean, Desi is a big bloke and Undav's quite small, but Undav's a very, very strong striker. And he just was pushing the bloke around, causing him all sorts of problems. You could tell Desi knew he was in an absolute battle here. And we went into the break at nil-nil. And yeah, it was a surprise in terms of Antwerp not lining up with Michael Frey up front. I haven't looked into it further. I haven't had the chance to. I don't know if he was injured or anything like that. But again, you see him on the bench, you're thinking, has he kind of overthought this and thought, uh, we'll play Miyoshi instead to give us a little bit more like mobility amongst the back line of Union, but it didn't really work like that. I think Union's back three of uh, Van der Heijen, Burgess and Candice were fantastic throughout this game in keeping Antwerp out. Then Union did take the lead in the second half, 50th minute. Great crossing, I think it was from Francois, who came in for Lapusan, who had been injured. His ball in, Undav with a really nice finish after a Lazar kind of dummy to get out of the way of the ball. Not the best of defending from Antwerp on that one, but Undav made them pay. And then, as we've always seen with Union, they made it 2-0 in the 77th minute on a counter-attack. It was a Van Zier-Undav show again. And this is where the aforementioned kind of Winding up of fans happened, as I like mentioned earlier. Fans here, of course, Undav tapping. Undav then kind of gives it large to the Antwerp fans who clearly don't like that. Start giving it back. Then Dante Vanzier holds up the 2-0 on his fingers and then they just get pelted with stuff from the stands, which is obviously horrific and just not what you want to see. Then leads to a little bit of a coming together on a board of Antwerp fans being like, mate, what are you doing? And then him being like, they chuck stuff at me. Um, bit of... All or nothing there. I get. I think I've spoken too much probably about this game, but Union were just very, very impressive, defended very, very well. I was really disappointed with Antwerp. They brought on Michael Fry eventually. They chucked Egerstein and Gherkins on as well, but they just, I think their fans have been frustrated in the style of play. And you see it in a game like this against a good team, defensively good, despite all the creative talent and attacking talent Antwerp have on the pitch, they just couldn't create anything and they finally create like one thing and then Morris makes a really good save but it just there wasn't enough from them I was really disappointed in kind of their approach play and everything like that I just didn't feel like it was dynamic enough compared to a Union side who were very dynamic and stuff like that did you see the same do you think were you disappointed in Antwerp or was it Union's brilliance that kind of quelled them in this one well it's interesting you said earlier Ben that you thought Brian Prisk had maybe overthought it a little bit and that, that that's quite a good way of looking at it I think Union approached us the same way they approach all their games I think and that's just attack 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 for the most part don't don't no change of plan as we've we've talked about many times and that that that's difficult because what they're really saying to you is all right okay match us go and figure us out see if he can nullify that and nobody's managed to do that yet some of Prisk's choices were odd I mean I, I, I think the Frey thing is particularly odd I don't know why you wouldn't start him I understand why you might think Mayoshi might give you a little bit more uh, manoeuvrability but there's been nothing in Mayoshi this season to suggest that he had anything in them that would kind of materially change the the sort of flow of this game kind of particularly. Like you guys I, I really enjoyed this game I thought it was a real humding and it was really good it was played at a really good tempo physically really strong. There's a lot of football in the air actually, there's a couple of points where I was thinking come on guys get it down in the deck you know it seemed like they were playing tennis sometimes but no a really really good game and for me Dennis Sundav was just unplayable in, in, in this game, he really was. He's so good with his body, the way he gets tight 
light on defenders and the way he likes to just roll them, that's so difficult to deal with. And the ding-dong that he had with uh, Desolée throughout that game was, was really, really good. It's always exciting seeing kind of centre-halves going up against attackers and them having a right good go at each other. Undav ultimately getting the, the upper hand could have had his hat trick very very easily yeah great game I, th- I think this was the I-, I enjoyed this game most out of all the games I saw this weekend psychologically this is a huge one obviously I mean I was watching it thinking is this the weekend because if you think about it you know Antwerp in a proper title challenge type game to, to Union first time the two have really been going at each other in anything like this context for what 60 years since Antwerp last won the title in the late 50s similar setup here um, they knew it was a hugely significant game if they won it then you know it cuts the gap and everything changes in a big way again but they lose it and then Club Bruges lose as we know as well so Union extend their lead and it just gets better and better for them really yeah really great game and a great atmosphere uh, for most part of course uh, bar the the, the uh, yeah the, the throwing of uh, stuff at Undaf after his second goal yeah that's uh, that's a bit of a disgrace in the end because he was first just celebrating then he got hit and then of course then he, he put some more gasoline on the fire it was indeed unplayable he also mentioned himself afterwards um, like, my only regret is that I should have scored more I don't think he will have lost any kind of sleep over that yeah another brilliant way for to for Union to win and they, they really played really well and Antwerp on the other hand they, they were lacking a bit and maybe indeed should have approached the game a bit uh, differently yeah always of the opinion if you've got one of the top scorers in your team they should always play <laughs> especially if they're one of the top scorers in the league like unless they're injured they're one of the first names on the team sheet and yeah um, I'll leave it at that Let's move on to, as Scott said, Club Bruges did lose. Uh, they lost again two goals to one. That was the first game on the Sunday. I'm sure lots of people in the Union side of Brussels were celebrating this one. Ghent took the lead through Andre Hulsaga. Uh, Tisu Dali back in the lineup, back with an assist. Mignolet really should have done better with this one. Literally went straight through his head. Which, I mean, easy for us to say from here. But, I mean, if there's a if the ball is coming straight at you, I think as a keeper... Of Mignolet standard, you expect to be able to save that one into the second half. Well, to be actually, let's keep going because Club Bruges did have a couple of chances. Charles de from a free kick forced a fantastic save out of Ruth and Goal, who was in goal instead of Sinan Bola. Uh, lots of kind of chatter about Sinan Bola and his a move to Turkey. Uh, Van Heisenberg's kind of just said, okay, we'll put Ruth and Goal for now. And he made a really, really good save from that header. Um, nicely, also, Jordan uh, to. Turan Ariga getting a start, uh, the man alone from Hertha Berlin. He's got to come in and I feel like he's on par with Preciado in terms of haircut style. Preciado was one of my favourite haircuts from last year. Maybe Turan Ariga is going to be my favourite haircut from this year. Big fan of the the locks that he was throwing out there. Um, he'll be definitely be happy with the result on his debut as well. Uh, Laurent de Potter was also back in the side in the second half. He did a lovely little flick pass through to Tisu Dali, uh, ran through and you just knew, yeah, he was never going to miss. He had a goal disallowed for offside in the first half, but this time he absolutely made sure and he was on the side. And yeah, it was in that he gave a tribute to the f- young five-year-old boy who tragically lost his life in Morocco after being trapped. I think it was in a cave or a well. Yeah, Tisu Dali, obviously, Moroccan international paying tribute to the boy, uh, which is lovely. And he also mentioned it in his post-match interview and talked about it. So I mean, it's one of those things where you feel like, oh, I just wish you didn't have to get booked for taking your shirt off to pay when you're paying tribute to something that's so heartbreaking and emotional like that and has such, like I guess, like a good cause 
feeling to it. I, I get you have to, like they want to get rid of kind of like political statements within football, but you're like that's just not a political statement. And you feel like something like that, common sense, you just shouldn't get booked for it. Anyway, so that was yeah, two 0 to Ghent, who were definitely playing kind of a counter attacking style. Only thirty five percent possession in the end. Uh, Club Rouge pushing and pushing. It was Charles de Ketela, I mean, clearly one of their best player this season, who got them back in the game in the 76th minute with a header from a corner. Kind of snuck in front of everyone there to put it in. Clearly showing that maybe he can start scoring with his head as well after that chance he had in the first half. Um, however, Ghent were able to hold out for this one. There was kind of like a wild ending to this. In the 95th minute, Balanta gets his second yellow, uh, so he sent off. And in the process of that, Noah Lang gets sent off for what we've all presumed is the referee thinking that Lang was holding him back from producing the red card. But when you watch the replay, it looks like actually Clinton Matter is the one holding the ref from the red card. However, the ref doesn't see that at the time. Lang then comes over speaking to him. As the ref turns around, he just sees Lang and just sends Lang off. And as you all know, if you've watched any Noah Lang this season, you know that he does kind of wear his heart in his sleeve and like emotion he doesn't hide his emotion, let's say. So he was just like, what is going on? How have I been sent off? Like, what has just happened? And it just kind of, I feel like it kind of epitomises the frustration Club Bruges are having at the moment in terms of performances on the pitch, kind of recruitment off the pitch with the fans. I know the fans are quite frustrated with what's happening. For Schroeder as well, he's kind of, we can kind of say he's had his tests now, I guess, with Union at home, uh, where they drew nil-nil. Ghent, at home, I guess it was a test after what Ghent did to Club Bruges in the reverse fixture. He hasn't won either of those games, so I guess kind of the jury's still out on him. You also, Scott, what were your kind of thoughts on this one and the wild ending to it? Well, eagle-eyed uh, listeners might have spotted, and this amused me, I think Lang's had three red cards this season, and they've all come from the same referee, Nicola LaForge, which which is just interesting in itself, I think, and, you know, touches on what Ben was saying about sometimes when players acquire a bit of a reputation, you know, it's, it's hard to shift that. You know, three red cards from the same referee in a season is, is really quite something in its own right, I think. There's very much a feeling for me that Schroeder's still kind of getting a feel for his squad. There's a lot of tinkering going on. I know he's asking different things of players. You know, he's asking players to do things that, they they didn't do under Clement and wouldn't wouldn't be expected to do. So there's a lot of yeah, a lot of little plates and big plates moving about here. And it's from a Bruges perspective, this is difficult because, you know, they've dropped some points at a time in the season where really they need to be upping their game, obviously, and and putting together a kind of consistent run. And that's not really what's happening. Although conversely, I think there are signs that they're playing better football. They're just not really really getting getting results at the moment, which obviously is, is, is more important than playing nice football. I have a feeling the squad needs reshaped there now, and I think that's what Schroeder wants to do. There are definitely personalities in that squad I think he does not want to keep there, and I, and I, I think that's kind of quite obvious now. You know, listeners to the pod will know I'm, I'm no fan of Balanta. I don't like his natural game. I get that he's good at the physical side of the game. He felt, fulfills the traditional disruptor role, which there is very much a role for but the reason I don't like him much as a player is because I think he's too one-dimensional I think you have to be able to do more than that in the modern game you have to disrupt but also have the ability to play line-breaking passes for example you know and I, I just actually don't think he he, he contributes um, enough other than breaking games up and you, you, you need more than that I also think he's one of the personalities who I think I would question whether he has a future in this squad but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens happens there over the course of the summer because I use 
used the phrase, is this the weekend? Well, I had a feeling um, looking at the Bruges fan community that a lot of them have now kind of come to terms with the fact that unless something really miraculous happens elsewhere now and there's a lot of luck that comes their way, then I think a lot of them have accepted that um, they're not going to retain their title. Yeah, and Schroeder is really still looking, uh, obviously, like Dennis Odoi played on four different positions uh, last game. He won game so uh, against Gent, so that's a bit of a worrying sign that he's, like, he's really looking for it. At least he's actively doing so. But so far, and it's a very early judgment, but he feel, looks like a typical Dutch coach in Belgium and uh, that often doesn't go well, maybe for a while, but uh, he didn't go off with a really great start so far either. But um, let's see if he can turn it around still. But yeah, Schroeder will um, will definitely need to improve quickly to, to get the thing train back on the rails uh, because the, their level has not been great. In, in the Cup, they did win uh, somehow against Hint, while they probably, well, not somehow, their Hint again had their efficiency problem. And in a way, even yesterday, they also could or should have scored more. Maybe, yeah, there's also the controversial decision with uh, the, the actual potential third goal for Hint, where the ball doesn't really look to, it seems to have crossed the line. And Mignolet then pushed it in in his own goal. We, he really did not have the best of games. He got away with it there because the linesmen, they, they flagged it. Uh, and, and well, it wasn't, there was no clear point of view, of course, if, if it was, uh, did, if it did cross the, the, the line or not. And uh, if, if he would not have flagged, uh, it also would not have been overruled. Anyway, Gentar actually quite good recently in the way of like they are creating a lot they still need to increase their efficiency but they are also moving up on the in the table now and uh, also can still dream at least from of a uh, champions playoffs at the end of the season also here i know last week we were still talking like they that they were garbage <laughs> so it all goes quite quickly so but all in all i do think hint is a team to consider for well, not maybe not for the title, maybe too much, but for anything below Union, they they are the, an outsider to to get into a second spot still. No, definitely. I think when you look at their fixture lists, like uh, they've got what have they got Erpen, Salang, Standards, Zolta, Valagem, Bearscott, and Alex. So that could be a big one for the top four. Then Circle and Leuven. So the next couple of games, they could really go on a run um, if they increase the efficiency. Having T.C. Dali back obviously is going to make a difference. Like he, when he plays, they're better. Like he can take the chances that they miss, even though he may need a couple as well. But at least you know, at least one of them is going to go in for him. Hulsaga scoring some goals as well. That's big for them. Like that, they they need to get him kind of back into the East End form um, that he's shown before. They've just got Vladis on the bench still, uh, coming back from injury. So yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Joris. I think they are definitely a team that could be kind of the late push again <laughs> into playoff one uh, like they did last season. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said in Club Rouge. Like, I've never been massively convinced with Schroeder during his time in the Bundesliga. I'm not massively convinced with his team selection for this one. Like, Adoy, like, I know you said he always, he's played like, he played like a ton of positions, but like, I feel like they've got better options, surely. And I'd like to see, obviously, Scott Olsen taking that position full-time, kind of the right full-back. Uh, Lang obviously coming off the bench because he doesn't really fit into his system. So there's plenty of stuff to be worked out. And it, I think at the end of the season, it's going to be whether the club Bruges hierarchy think that pursuing that style of play and the way Shooter wants to go is what they want to do. 
and then they back him and they bring in those players to fit the system and they allow like the players that don't fit the system to leave like like you said Scott kind of like the reshuffle but you have to be very much he's basically got to convince them over these next couple of months that he is the man for the future of Club Rouge and his way is the best way for them to go so yeah, I think that's what kind of the fans will be looking at over the next couple of weeks as well. I think there's a just just on mm-hmm. the, the one last point about Schroeder guys. I think there's a classic thing, and and Joris touched on this um, when he was talking about Dutch coaches. Obviously, the Dutch school huge on space, the, the kind of spatial architecture of football, if you like, you know. And and again, you know, he's he's learnt this. Obviously, it's it's in the football and culture, and I actually really like that. But Ben's highlighted the crux of the matter, I think, and will he be? given the time to reshape things because as I was saying I think it's obvious he's identified people he doesn't want and he's asking things of players they don't normally do and that's as much of a challenge to them personally as it is to see whether someone's staying staying or going and there are definitely indications that it's all a bit up in the air as to whether there's a there is a long-term future for Schroeder, which which seems crazy to say after so early, but mm. the indications are, you know, as you were saying, Ben, I think potentially there is definitely a much bigger job ahead there than, than many people thought. And one final thing, when you consider the amount of money that Bruges have spent, and this isn't Schroeder's fault, obviously, because virtually all of this money was spent before he arrived, that just puts even more pressure on on him in particular to, to, to get them on the right track quickly, rather than giving him, giving him a bit of time because you don't want to replicate that spend for somebody else to play a different yeah. system to, to another man who's now out the door. Yeah, and, and also, like, so indeed, maybe that's also the same man that that, that appointed him, so <laughs> of course, so like, of course, maybe like of course it's always going to be the coach that that people are aiming at, but like, I, I do think higher up there's been a well, a few rather bizarre decisions this season. Um, of, of course, they have a good track record over the years, so they have some credit but like i i don't think any club fan is happy what has has happened over the past few few months in their own club like not even looking at other what uh, other clubs did or are doing at the moment um and also one last thing that's a different topic but, uh, but since Ben touched on it already so of course um lang is not going to be suspended for his uh, red card anyway so at least uh, i guess that's settled for for now like he got the red card in the last minute so it won't affect much <laughs> won't be affected much by this one yeah no definitely i think that's i think that's the right decision um, in the end and yeah i mean we'll touch on their transfer business in the kind of transfer window special but the fact that one of the players they spent a lot of money on in the summer has now been sent out on loan like that's never a good sign uh, for your transfer business um, if that happens let's go to a five goal thriller in Mechelen uh, this one saw Mechelen beat Bierschot three goals to two and Mechelen were in complete control of this game within the first half an hour Nicholas Storm with a very eventful match for him uh, he gave them the lead in the 11th minute. Uh, it was just far too easy. Just terrible defending from Beer Scott. Uh, Hugo Kuipers took advantage of some more terrible defending from Beer Scott when he made it 2-0. And Nicholas Storm took another advantage of some pretty bad defending with a really nice finish in the 29th minute to make it three goals to nil. And at that point, Mechelen are cruising. You're basically Beer Scott completely out of it, just defending terribly. As Scott was saying, it was pretty abysmal to us. I'm sure you're going to touch on that. Um, over in the 60th minute, Storm gets sent off for one of those ones where the ball gets away from you tackles on Ryan Sanusi. Not a player you want to see going in and taking one of those tackles, giving his injury concern. Thankfully, he was okay. Uh, Storm also hurt himself in the process, but got straight reds, much to his kind of confusion. But when you see it on the replay, I mean, 
it's one of those ones that's always going to be a red card given the kind of the height of his foot into the shin of Sanusi. Beerschot then get one back. Uh, Avenatti's really kind of unfortunate with this one. Really nice touch and turn and shot. Hits the post, hits Gaten Kook in the back and goes in. So Kook's also quite unlucky with this one. But it's one of those ones where you feel like Avenatti deserves it because he's put all the hard work into the shot and the turn. Um, whether it goes down as a Gaten Kook own goal. Uh, Beerschot push a little bit more. Obviously, they've got a man advantage at this point, but they just really don't get anything on target apart from uh, Ryan Sneezy with a really nice finish in the 93rd minute. However, by then it is too little too late. This has also led to the end on Javier Tolonte as manager of Beerscott. He was sacked as of recording Monday. We just want to thank Beerscott for doing this before we recorded the podcast. It's very generous of them to think of us when they make these decisions. This is a shout out to the rest of the league. If you're going to sack someone, make sure you do it before we record our podcast. It just makes our lives so much easier. Scott, I know you watched this one. You will probably want to rant a bit about Beerscott defending and maybe wax lyrical about Nicholas Storm. So over to you. Yeah, Mecklen looked pretty good in this game. You know, you're you're dead right, Ben. Complete control of the game, and it was looking like one of those games where you're like, oh, this could this could be really really brutal. Um, such such were they running over the top of Beerscott. Could have been so many. Could have been four or five by half time. Actually, it probably should have. But of course, being Mecklen, they never make things easy for themselves, um, and the game looked like it finished. Much much close, closer than it actually did. From Beershot's perspective, pretty pretty horrifying stuff, this, really. The body language was was just so worrying to me. I mean, I was saying this to you guys when when we were watching it, just the way they were so passive. You know, they were like ghosts on the pitch. And, it, you know, they just, they, they were beaten before they went out, to be honest. That, that's the way it really looked. No surprise that Torrente uh, has gone today. That happened uh, earlier this afternoon. I think the body language had got worse. Um, um, you know, and I think there's an acceptance now, obviously, with his dismissal today from inside the club that the the automatic relegation now is 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 a cert. Um, it could obviously happen within the next three or four games, depending on the way results go as well. Um, so that's that, that's coming very soon. So his dismissal, I think, is is a sign that okay, let's get ahead of ourselves here, try and start plan for the future. They have announced, obviously, in the last couple of days, they're going to be building this nice new shiny, state of the art training complex, um, in Antwerp, which is a good thing. Um, upgrading their facilities there and they they recognise that Torrenti's not the man to to really bring them back up. So, yeah, go away, reshape the squad um, with a coach and a squad that are equipped um, for the next two or three years for for the future. And I think they've they've done the right thing, actually, in starting that work now, because there certainly is no point in waiting another four or five weeks until that's kind of sort of confirmed now. Start looking for for that long-term plan now, and, and hopefully they find the, the, the right person right person for them. And then another one, and, and then another one, and then another one bites the dust. That's already the fifth coach that uh, gets sacked after uh, playing Michelin, so actually they don't need to announce anything. Van der Hagen, Leijen, Condom, and Van den Brom were all uh, sacked or left the club they were working at. It's uh, after playing Michelin, in that Zultavarium to add a fixed one, actually, they, the, they actually sacked uh, Dury uh, the Friday before the game against Mechle. And uh, actually, they won the game against Mechle in the uh, ultimate, in the dying minutes. So maybe they did the right, made the right decision there. But yeah, definitely interesting that it's that, that they really are see, uh, looking like the, the team that costs trainers their job, <laughs> coaches their job. So um, yeah. 
anyway, um, side fact there. Well, indeed, it, I, don't, I don't think it was really a thriller. Like, well, I know it's just a word that you mentioned, but um, yeah. Beershots almost got back into it, uh, and if it would have been played a bit longer, maybe they would have gotten closer. But in the end, uh, a really good win for Michele again, and um, they they are still on track for uh, having a really good finish of the season as well. Can't disagree with anything there. I think get for Beerscott, get the new man in that they think could bring them back up next season and start building because. Otherwise, you're just kind of wasting time trying to... If you go for someone that you think, oh, maybe they'll keep us up. like It's just not going to happen now. 10 points off. like You basically need Salang to lose all their games, which they probably won't. Like I said, they either win or lose, so they probably will win at least one or two more. And then by then, yeah, it's going to be far too late. They lost the games they should have won and gave themselves too much to do. But yeah, hopefully they can get the right man in who can help kind of build them back up to have a challenge in 1B next season. One more thing on Beerschot as well, like it was of course the last game of Torrente, so in the end it doesn't matter much now, but uh, it was interesting to see that uh, they, he actually made two changes uh, well, at the half hour mark, so that, that you don't see that in every game. <laughs> That's either. when you know it's going no, badly, but, don't you? <laughs> and yes, yes, and well, it, you could say like afterwards it did get better, but like it was not really difficult to get better, I think, I guess. It almost anything would have been better than what was happening up to yeah, that point. No, definitely. That's so true. <laughs> um, yeah, poor, poor Beer Scott. Let's jump to another side that's looking to kind of edge their way away from the relegation zone in Erpen. They travelled to Anderlecht and this was a wild 15 minutes to start this one. Uh, but actually a wild 25 minutes to start this one. Just... Neither side wanted to defend. It seemed like everyone was just kind of playing kind of street football. Xerxes gave Anderlecht a deserved lead in the third minute. Kwame then doubled that in the seventh minute. Just awful defending for both of those goals to allow those two to score. Then some worse defending from Anderlecht. I think it was Paul Zeno de Bast on his kind of first game starting or kind of one of his first starts for a very long time for Anderlecht uh, with a poor bit of play for, out from the back. Open recover gets to Prevoyak and he makes it two one, and throughout that even throughout the kind of this whole game, like Open would know by no means out of it despite the scoreline. However, Xerxes showed his class with an overhead kick in the twenty fourth minute. Really, really nice finish from him. And then Benito Raman wrapped it up in the eighty eighth minute. He had one disallowed for offside, I think, before this, and then tapped one in um, in the eighty eighth minute to make it four one. And it doesn't massively tell the story. I didn't think Urban were that bad, like in terms of going forward, because Anderlecht weren't that great at the back. However, Van Kronberg made some really good saves. There was one off a deflected free kick, which was just insane reactions from him to kind of I think I tweeted out he could put together almost a top ten saves of the season in terms of like some of the reaction saves he's made. But a good win for Anderlecht nonetheless. They would Kind of be concerned a little bit about the defensive lapses. Obviously, missing Wesley Hoot at the back makes a big difference. Like Magalan hasn't really convinced, I don't think, any of us on the podcast yet. And then you've got Youngston and Zena Debas coming in. And they were obviously missing uh, Olsen in the midfield as well. Ashramira came in and played pretty well, regardless. I guess this is kind of Scott and yours is kind of like the perfect response for Anderlecht after that disappointment in the uh, derby last weekend. Yeah, I thought Anderlecht looked, despite the the huge number of unforced errors actually from from both sides, which is really the story of this game. Um, it's a really good uh, example for the video analysts in in how not to play out from the back. In fact, how defenders probably shouldn't shouldn't choose their passes. A number of just car crash moments actually for for, for a few people. Not a good game. Uh, for Harris 
Uh, not a good game for the Bast actually either. I, I, I didn't think, which is unfortunate, being one of the young talents at Anderlecht. Uh, but you know, you have games like that. But yeah, that's the story of this game. A huge number of unforced errors. Despite that, they actually looked very good going forward for the most part. Anderlecht they were kind of swarming all over Upen, and they did look like uh, they would score most on 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 most of their attacks. So in that sense, it was a bit of a bit bit of a strange game. Obviously, these sides will be sick of the back teeth of each other because they 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 play each other in the cup only a few days before and they'll be playing each other again in the cup kind of quite soon in the the second leg of the semi-final interesting played in quite bad weather particularly in the second half as well and I was thinking you know while while both of them were still trying to play you know good quality passing football something you know particularly in a game as a defender where there have already been a lot of unforced errors that have led to goals you know maybe you should just vary your game a little bit and it's it's yeah sometimes adapt to the circumstances rather than kind of sticking to 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 what you do i think is being pragmatic pragmatic i suppose is 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 sometimes the right approach and high scoring game uh we we, we needed that after last weekend yeah the the main message of this game is indeed uh well <laughs> don't try to play out on the out of the back at all times so yeah not much to say about that a good reaction from andrecht indeed also after the the cup game and like they, they also are approaching club brugge now as well so they they not only they're still definitely not certain of uh play of uh one but at least they're you know they're still in fourth spot and they can look both above them and below them at the moment yeah we'll be an interesting end of the season for them uh, or the regular season for them because it can really swing uh, both ways still and they really needed this win at least to, to get a bit uh, more momentum again after three uh, games in a row that they did not win uh, including that cup game of course yeah no definitely I think it's really is yeah when you look at that table tightening up for the playoff one spots I mean Antwerp, Cabruz, Anderlecht all within five points of each other and then Charlotte obviously seven points behind Antwerp in second so yeah it's definitely going to be exciting kind of to see who's going to make that spot and who may potentially slip out uh, from Antwerp, Club Rouge and Anderlecht because, yeah, all of those three sides would have targeted playoff one to start the season as like a minimum. So, yeah, definitely interesting to see how that pans out going ahead. Uh, the last team that would have also been targeting playoff one, but that's probably impossible. And if it does happen, it'd be quite ridiculous, uh, is Genk. Uh, sorry to Joris, but... Yeah, we know, everyone knows he knows, and he's been very honest about that forever. Uh, they hosted Zoltavar again, who had brought Omar Gavea straight back into the starting lineup after bringing him back into the fold. And unfortunately for him, he made an impact at the wrong end. He opened the scoring with an own goal. Uh, he's just so unfortunate. It's one of those ones where he's done the right thing to try and get in front of the kind of, I think it's um, Hazovsky who's coming into the box. And we know that he's on fine goal scoring form this season. So he kind of slides into stop. Hrzovski getting the ball, but inadvertently directs it into his own net. Uh, this is after Sammy Bossett had actually made a couple of saves to keep the game at nil-nil. Into the second half quite early on, Kristen Thorsted makes it two goals to nil. Uh, Ono actually given the assist for this one, but it's one of those ones where it's just, I just don't think it's an assist because Thorsted still has quite a lot to do when he gets the ball, but I mean, it is the way it is, I guess. Zolta did push. They just couldn't really get anything on target. Vandervoort didn't really have a ton of stuff to do. Only one shot on target for Zolta. Quite a nice, comfortable-ish win, I guess, for Genk. You also go to you first on this one, I'm not sure. Can't remember if you did manage to see this one. Were you happy with the win? And were you also happy that uh, Luca Oying got a start as well? Yes, of course. Well, it was not the best game of uh, either side. Also not of Genk. But in the end, I guess, managed to win in cruise control and... 
actually with rotating quite a few players, both Ito and Bonhonda were not in the in the playing squad because of their travels. Arteaga, the same thing as well at the back. Also uh, the the Colombians uh, that did not play the last few weeks in the in center back pairing up. So well, there was some rotation, um, and still there was never a second of doubt that that they would uh, not win. Arguably, of course, against a side that's not among the top performers this season uh, either. But um, well, I guess cruise control, win the game, get a clean sheet for once, even though they still tried to to give that away. But uh, at least uh, they managed one this uh, this time. The one thing is, like, I still don't know why Onowachu's goal was still allowed either. In the end, that's uh, not 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 so important uh, outside of for his own confidence, of course. Sultawarim, well, didn't do much until the game was basically decided. How they defended for that second goal is just ridiculous as well. <laughs> like, Torsvet could turn and turn and turn and then, well, why? Well, I'll have a shot. <laughs> Why not? Uh, again, especially since he likes scoring against Soltovarium. Uh, anyway, that's, that's, that's something that he keeps doing <laughs> almost every game against them. Boya getting a start, playing well as well. Um, I was actually a bit sad that he didn't get uh, got an actual assist for that first goal, since it was an own goal, of course. Three points and well creeping closer to at least playoff two. That they, they really need to get that streak to get that the last 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 grasp uh, of hope for uh, for again for uh, playoff one that yeah it's a far far away dream at the moment of course but who knows with the next upcoming games but at least it's important to get a few wins to secure playoff two uh your playoffs and hopefully uh, be able to do something in that playoff so also don't uh, get behind too much uh, behind the uh, number five at the moment yeah i'm a really 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 big fan of luka oyen starting actually i i was delighted to see this and that's actually a really big call by stork i think that's that's a brave call as well you know to leave ito and bongonda on the bench um and to start oyen was was a massive call and I do wonder whether that's a sign of the future I'm not saying this is going to happen regularly but I I think we're going to see more of him and I think that's a great call because for me he's one of the three most exciting young talents in Belgian football at the moment and I think now is absolutely the right time to expose him to as much senior team action as possible so I think Stork's got that call absolutely right particularly when you consider you know as Joris was saying um, it's been a, a generally disappointing season for Genk up till now so you've got an opportunity to be able to give somebody as exciting as, as Oyen a lot of game time now uh, without there being as much pressure on him than there would ordinarily be I think so the circumstances are aligning I think in, in Genk's longer term favour kind of quite well here. Zulta again lots of worries remain about them obviously in a very precarious position really big game on Wednesday evening we mentioned earlier they're at home to Ustend and they really really need to get something in that because on Saturday another game obviously at home to, to Anderlecht and you wouldn't imagine they would be getting anything out of that one so it's really important that they they get something out of their game because it's it's there are not too many signs of an improvement at, at Zalta at the moment yeah and no, I think you guys are right I think it's um this one they were probably going to lose but it's the East End one that they really need to win and they just can't rely on Salang not to be picking up any points like it's just not the way they can go about it they need to start doing it themselves really they've got this game in hand and it's if they win that they go what five points ahead of Salang drag Yerpen below and East End below them at the same time to kind of create kind of like the buffer zone effect there so yeah that is a massive massive game taking place this midweek and it can 
it will have such an impact on the season going forward if they don't win that. Because for Usten, that kind of just pushes them quite high up and out of it a little bit more um, and gives them the buffer zone. So, yeah, definitely an interesting one. And, yeah, that was all the matches from this weekend. Just looking at kind of news from the Pro League, we've already talked about Beer Scott sacking Javier Talente. Mechelen and Leuven, that game's going to be replayed. So those of you who remember Mechelen refused to turn up for a game that the Pro League said they wouldn't cancel or wouldn't change. So my Leuven announced the team, the players went out and had the friendly with the under-21s. That game's now going to be replayed, which is, it's kind of a smack in the face to a couple of other teams. Courtrike, namely, is the first one I think of who had to play against Antwerp with such few players. I mean, it just seems really unfair that maybe they should have been like, okay, we're just not going to turn up then. And we'll dig our heels in and we'll get rewarded for it. So, yeah, guys, over to you for kind of your views on it. That's kind of my view. It just seems a little bit ridiculous. Um, that the league kind of backing down, I guess, on a decision that they've already made. Yeah, definitely. Also with Urban's claim in the same weekend where they also didn't have many people, but just not the, this, the, this, this uh, goalkeeper excuse that was probably the only thing missing for them. Their appeal was rejected, so... Like and then this one and they played on so they, they if they would not have played on they maybe also would have gotten the got their appeal right then um so I, I honestly don't get this decision at all yeah it's not it's not the right decision at all I think it's the one that we kind of feared might happen but didn't really want to uh, because it makes no sense at all and actually the thing about it as well is this sets a really really dangerous precedent I think that that says to clubs. You know, if you're not happy, you can, yeah, you can go in the huff and 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 have your protest, and you will ultimately still get your way. Um, the rules are there for a reason, whether they're right or wrong, and you know, you you, you just ah, you you have to kind of stick to them at some point, and this is just such a dangerous road to kind of go down, and it's it's not the right one. It was the wrong decision on Mecklen's part in the first place. I said that at the time, and you know they will feel vindicated now. But actually, this is this this doesn't help anybody. Yep, completely agree. Nothing for me to add on that. I completely agree with both of you on this one. <laughs> Next news item that we've got written down here did make me laugh. Uh, Antwerp's Abdullah being an Afcon winner, which I mean technically he is, but he also didn't play any matches. I think it was Lukaku who told the story of when France won here when they won the World Cup and Anthony Marshall turned up with the World Cup winning medal and Lukaku was like, but he didn't do anything for that. And that's when he decided to leave Man United. <laughs> he was like, I've had enough of this. So yeah, maybe Sex going to bring that in. But good for Advert to have him back. Very happy for Senegal. Couple of ex Pro League players in there, obviously uh Kalilu Kulibari, ex Genkman, uh, who was fantastic and the captain for Senegal in the night to win it. Um also, thankfully, didn't let Gianni Infantino and all that lot upstage the trophy celebration. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was absolutely bizarre. Like They made them go up and speak to Paul Beer, uh, the Cameroonian president, with the trophy before you could celebrate with his team. And I'm just like, what What are we doing here? Just let the bloke celebrate with the trophy. I don't know if they wanted him to do the trophy lift with Beer, like some weird political statement they were going to be making but they literally dragged him away from the celebrations to go and do that but he was just like no I'm going to go back and uh, celebrate my actual team because we've won the trophy and yeah it was all very bizarre um obviously Cheku Kiate as well former Molenbeek Anderlecht court like man also in that squad so yeah congratulations to Senegal um they were the team I tipped to win it at the beginning they're the team I wanted to win it for Aliou Cisse so very happy with that and yeah I guess Sec is technically an AFCON winner so congratulations to him as well for being part of that squad I'm sure Antwerp fans will hope he's t- 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 some tips from Kulabali 
um, to bring back and shore up their defence, um, which I'm sure he will. Speaking of Molenbeek, let's turn to 1B now, where there's a lot of movement, I guess, maybe not at the very, very top, but kind of around and kind of there's some big implications going forward. So over to you, Scott. Yeah, it's been quite a quite a dramatic weekend in, in, in 1B, actually. We'll start with a wee score roundup, as we always do. Liers drew one all with, with Denza. Uh, Muscron managed to convincingly beat Beveren 3-0 at home, which is quite a significant result, actually, because that allowed Molenbeek to leapfrog Beveren into the, the magic playoff spot, the second place, uh, with Molenbeek's own 1-0 away win at bottom place to Verton. And uh, table toppers uh, Westerlo convincingly won three 0 at home against Lommel. Coming back to Lommel, we've obviously been touching on them a lot over the last couple of weeks because they're they're in, in in the middle of a of a really really poor poor period of form. In fact, so poor I think it's the worst run in their their history. I think they're now winless in twelve. Verton, who are who are just below them in the table, are now winless in nine. And there's actually a game coming up this weekend uh, on Sunday. Lommel at home to Verton and this is now a huge game down at the bottom of 1B, absolutely massive and it just got even bigger as if it wasn't already big enough because just before uh, we sat down to record this evening, news was confirmed that Lommel have decided to part company with their interim coach, Luis Philippe Ferreira, who I think only actually had two or three games uh, in charge as the interim coach so that's certainly a recognition on Lommel's part of quite how big this game coming up at the weekend is because I think if there's a winner in that game then it's going to be very difficult for, for a potential loser there to kind of turn things around so that's that's arguably bigger than bigger than a cup final so a lot of big news in 1B and there's an equally huge game coming the following weekend when Beveren are at home to Molenbeek which has massive implications for that playoff spot as well so both top and bottom of 1B are, are really um, really worth watching now folks. Yeah definitely again like we said with Beer Scott, nice of Lommel to do it on a Monday to give us a chance to talk about it. I think you're right. I think it says how important that is. Obviously, we've done our Lommel special, so we know kind of their vision for the club and stuff like that. And I think moving down to the third tier is just like not an option for them at all. Especially when you think at the beginning of the season, Verton were kind of the favourites to go down given how kind of makeshift everything was with them bringing it all together. So I would expect Lommel to win that game, but I feel like it's one of those games going into it where they have everything to lose and Verton have absolutely nothing to lose so it's that's always one of the dangers with football so they'll be hoping whoever does come in will kind of win that one and then push on and kind of drag them back into that middle table yeah like you said Scott that top kind of Molenbeek and Beveren kind of now battling out for that second place I guess if Denza can beat Vestalo with their kind of the game in hand that they've got which I mean that's going to be hard because Vestalo looked very impressive uh, against Lommel with their goals Um, not the best goalkeeping in some of those there's a couple of like rebounded goalkeeper goals but again they look quite comfortable in that game so if Denza do somehow manage to beat them they close that gap to four points in second place and that really does make it quite juicy and spicy with terms of that top three uh, the top the three player teams going for that second place because yeah basically Vessel are pretty much there now so we'll be able to officially welcome them back I'm sure soon but like we always say 1B there's always things happening given the tightness of that league and how everything's going with that so should be an interesting and also just to mention as well if Denza do beat Vestalo they then play Molenbeek so if they win those two games they really do close the gap so lots happening in 1B as per usual let's have a quick look ahead to what's coming up in 1A before we end this 
episode. Obviously, we have these midweek games, North Valley game against EastEnders, we've already said. Leuven play Genk also on the same evening. That's Wednesday the 9th. Uh, so those games are back to back. Friday, Salang have another Friday night game. They host Antwerp, who will be looking to get back on track after the defeat to Union. Urpen host Ghent, Leuven host Circle of Bruges, Mechelen against East End, and then Zoltavar again against Anderlecht. Sunday kicks off midday with Genk against Standard Liège. Uh, Union hosts St. Luden. Club Rouge hosts Charleroi, as we've already mentioned, and then Beer Scott hosts Court. Right, we do have um, a couple of extra special episodes coming out, I guess you can say, obviously alongside this one. Uh, we'll have our chat with Alex from Union saint which we really, really enjoyed, and we're sure you will as well. We're also sitting down to finally record our transfer window review special, um, so that should also release once we've fine-tuned that, because I'm sure it's going to be quite a long one. Uh, anyone listen to our pre-season kind of preview episode will know how much detail we like to go in, and we always will cover every single team. Absolutely no bias or favouritisms here. If you do enjoy what we're doing, please do consider leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, we do really appreciate kind of hearing people's response you can also always get in touch with us at belgian podcast on twitter or belgian at gmail.com on email as always thank you for listening and we'll see you very soon on another episode of the belgian football podcast